Snidely Porpington and the House of Bork, Chapter 1, in which we meet our hero. Snidely Porpington is a name that will no doubt be unfamiliar to you. Snidely was a student at Bogwart's School of Spellcraft and Witchery, but unlike his much more famous classmate, Harry Patter, he is not known to millions as the boy who didn't die, nor indeed is he known to millions for anything at all. Snidely was a lazy, unremarkable young man who had emerged from a lazy, unremarkable old family of mostly squiffs. Snidely, the first in his family to show any sign of magical ability in decades, had been very excitedly shunted off to Bogwart at the customary age of eleven, in the hope that he might bring some notable acclaim or honor to the Porpington name. He did not. Young Mr. Porpington, now in his fourth year as an obnoxious little slacker at that esteemed monument of learning in the hills of Scotland, had, you might say, fallen in with the wrong crowd. But then again, what choice did he have? After all, a student at Bogwart must inevitably spend much of his or her time around the other students in whatever house they end up being sorted into. Snidely simply had the misfortune to be sorted into the dubious fifth house of Bogwart, that is, into Bork. Firstly, a few words about Bork. Many reading this will be unaware that Bogwart even possessed a fifth house, as unaware indeed as most students in the four more illustrious houses. The origins of Bork, or Bork, 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 and on some occasions Bokre, are buried under layers of mystery, incompetence, and general apathy. Although many students of the house itself were curious to know something, anything, of its beginnings, almost no information seemed to exist on the subject. One of the few constants, so to speak, was that no one could agree on the proper spelling of the house name. Sometimes, once or twice a century, a marginally attentive student would raise this question, only to be hooted down on all sides by derision and jeers to mind their own bloody business. At the start of term for his fourth year, Snidely, like virtually every other student, had boarded the magical train bound for the Hidden Academy. He sat at the back of the train, in the compartment reserved for all of the Bocomotive Orc students, socializing with the other four houses being very much discouraged. He was with his two best friends, a wizard by the name of Hugo Nunsuch, and a witch called Teresa Wastrel. These were yet another couple of young people who lacked the basic aptitude even to enter Huffleknuff. "'What sort of loony nonsense do you think we're in for this year?' Teresa asked. She bit the head off a chocolate frog, and its little legs went limp. Teresa was a slim, plain-looking, thin-nosed girl, though with quite lovely hair which she was proud of. Distracting from her otherwise unremarkable features, it was a rich, deep black, hung low past her shoulders, and was attractively wavy. "'What do you mean?' said Snidely, blowing a big bubble with his Drennan's gum. "'You know the drill.' The year starts out normally enough, then all manner of nonsensical guff starts to happen. Somebody, usually that pattered dimwit, almost dies, and then Dumbledore gives a big speech at the end, summing it all up. So what do you reckon is going to go terribly wrong this time? Snidely and Hugo pondered the question. Students of Bonely Ork usually kept to themselves throughout the year, only hanging out with each other, and rarely attending regular classes. Most of them lacked the motivation or aptitude to keep up in most subjects. Hugo spoke first. A charmingly fat young man, his solid frame was topped with a shock of strawberry blonde hair, and a face that might have been handsome were it not so sweaty all the time. I bet, the young boulder said, in between fistfuls of Watho Bertie's barmy-flavoured beans, it will be something like an horrible disease, 
and everyone's going to get great big nasty pus-filled boils. The other two shuddered, giggling at the disgusting prospect. Snidely surveyed his friends warmly, happy to be in their company once more. A vaguely handsome lad with moderately long, wavy brown hair, he had the looks of a child of old aristocracy fallen on hard times, which is exactly what he was. A curly-haired young man next to Snidely was furiously waving his wand about, attempting to produce light or sparks or anything. What's wrong, mate? Oh, you know, it's just like... Fuck. My wand really sucks. The twelve-year-old was Kaimo Yabas, a Lithuanian boy of rustic origins who had spent his formative years on a farm in his home country, in the highlands of Okštaitia. Kaimo handed Snidely the wand so he could see for himself. It seemed to be a perfectly normal magical instrument, except for one thing. It was only half as long as even the shortest wand that Snidely had ever seen. Where exactly did you get this? Okay, like, so my brother shoot us. He was messing around with my wand and, like, making the cat ride the pigs. And then he threw it on the couch and my mom, like, sat on it and broke it. So then I needed a new one, but, like, we don't have any money. And there's no wand shops outside of Vilnius, so I had no wand for, like, two fucking months. And then this weird peddler guy came by the farm selling a bunch of stuff and my mom asked him if he had any wands and so he said he had one and it was only like a druid so she bought it but it doesn't fucking work snidely could see this he attempted to cast lumos which was the one of the few spells he could actually perform semi-regularly with marginal success the wand vibrated violently as if resistant to being used to produce magic what's the core in this eh kaimo rolled his eyes and sighed so, like, the guy who sold it to my mom kept saying it had an unusual core, which, like, I think that means it just sucks. She kept asking, and then he said it was a yeti hair, but from somewhere weird, like, maybe it's armpit, I don't know. Snidely winked at Hugo, and they stifled a laugh. A yeti had so many worse places to shed from than that. The guy who sold it, just people like that. Kaimo trailed off. The young lad often decried the shortcomings of people like that, but would rarely go into much detail about what these people were, in fact, like. Well, uh, good luck, mate. Probably not going to need to do much magic, either way. He handed the rough-hewn four-and-a-half-inch twig back to him. They arrived at the castle not long after that. Snidely, Hugo, Teresa, and the rest of their unimpressive housemates filed into the great hall, at the back of the crowd of returning students, taking their places at the far end of the Hufflenuff table, close to the tall wooden doors. Ernie McMaldon purposely rammed his shoulder into Snidely's as he passed, causing Snidely to collide with Hugo in turn, both boys exclaiming in discomfort. This was par for the course with Ernie McMaldon, a notorious bully to the Borting Orkers. It stemmed from his being accidentally put in Bistaken Ork three years earlier for the first month of his tenure at the school. They took their seats and watched the sorting ceremony. Several dozen eleven-year-old witches and wizards were called up and duly sorted. By the end of the list, however, four boys and two girls remained, looking confused. Felch ushered them to the back of the hall against their whispered protests. Wait! They didn't call my name! Yeah, my name's Smelly, and she just blew past the asses! piped up a small Scottish girl. 
Your name, Smelly? A tiny Irish lad guffawed, holding his nose. It seemed quite obvious to anyone paying attention where these students belonged. Felch led them to the Bortadork table to greet their new housemates. They sat down reluctantly, with only young Miss Smelly asking, Does this mean I'm in Huffelnuff? No, none of you are in bloody Huffelnuff. Now pipe down, orientation's after the feast, hissed the caretaker. With that, Felch resumed his position against the stone wall, keeping a wary eye on the unsorted bunch. Snidely redirected his attention toward the front of the hall. Dumbledore seemed to be waffling on about something or other. Some guy called Moosby or Summit. New defense for dark arts teacher. Nothing we need to worry about, I suppose. Hugo said he was referring to the fact that defense against the dark arts was one of the several classes that Bevelork students never attended, on account of their magical skills falling disastrously short. Moosby's a bit of a funny name, isn't it? Snidely mused. Not as bloody funny as Smelly, eh? <laughs> Hugo chuckled heartily, poking the sour-faced young miss who sat beside him in the shoulder. Oh, don't fret, love. My name literally means nonsense. All a bit silly round here. The girl seemed to cheer up at this. Dumbledore droned further until suddenly his speech became interesting. This year we are reviving an ancient contest, the Triple Wizard Tourney, meant to facilitate international cooperation and friendship. This event will see Bogwart host the headmasters and students from both Beauvalon and Dern Strange Academies. They will be joining us in a month's time, and shortly thereafter, a champion from each school will be chosen. These three champions will vie for the prize of bringing honour to their school, as well as 1,000 caravels. Oh, wow! That's spectacular! intoned Ernest Bunbury. Bunbury was a chronically ill young man who attended few functions at the school that did not involve eating. If he was required in class, he was, without fail, always sick with something dreadful. Fuck me! Teresa blurted out drawing a judgy look from Hannah Talbot. As the headmaster continued, Teresa ostentatiously drew up her hand from under the table, flipping Hannah the bird. However, due to the danger involved in this contest, only students aged 17 or older will be allowed to put their names forth for consideration. Oh, balls! yelled an irate Hugo. He attempted to whip out his wand and sent a spurt of angry red sparks in the air as a protest, but all he accomplished was to buffet poor Miss Smelly in the head. The rest of Dumbledore's speech passed mostly unheeded. All the students could talk about was the impending tourney and which seventh year might be selected. After dinner, the big Zostork students followed Felch out of the hall showing their six new members the way. The caretaker ushered them up several flights of stairs, resolutely shushing the youngest children as they asked one bewildered question after another. Finally, at the end of a long stone corridor, they reached a wooden door marked Laundry Room. The elder boys and girls recognized this as their common room entrance, but the poor first years were now more confused than ever. Everyone filed in, the door slamming behind them, and Felch lit the lanterns on each wall, his gaunt jowls waggling nastily about as he moved. Finally, he spoke. Now then, you new lot, shut it. This is your orientation. You've been sorted into the house of Bork. This is the fifth house here at Bogwatt, and if you're here, it probably means you're not all that gifted in the magical arts. That are your foreign. But most of you new ones just look like you're a bit squiffy. No shame in that. It just means you'll be receiving a bit of a 
different education than the average student here. You'll mainly attend classes taught by myself. Either laundry, maintenance, or sanitation. But watch it. Just because you'll have a bit more free time doesn't give you the right to mess about too much. I've got three hard rules. Don't bother me, cat. After lights out, do not be out of bed. And most important, if you're going to do something totally stupid, do it to one of the other professors. All right? Any questions? Good. The six first years did indeed have several questions, but Felch made his exit before they could voice even one of them. Come on, then, let's go, said Snidely cheerfully, leading the new boys and girls to their dormitories, and like Felch, ignoring all of their many questions. Experience had taught the fifth house students that it was best to explain things the following day, when everyone was a bit less irritable. When he was done, Snidely joined Hugo in their room. Hugo always took the bottom bunk of their beds, as both boys had realized three years prior that, if he tried the top bunk, he was very likely to smash right through it in the middle of the night and crush poor Snidely to death. Hugo, rather than being sensitive about this weight, had in fact been the first to acknowledge the reality. Around Christmas, when he was eight, just such a mishap had occurred, and the injured party had been his poor cousin Horatio. Horatio had survived, but only just. This'll be a mad year, eh, mate? said Hugo, hopping onto his bunk, already in his pyjamas. The frame dolefully creaked under his critical mass. Oh, I can't wait, man, Snidely replied. Gonna be dead fun with all them foreigners coming. Imagine the pranks we can pull on a bunch of lads and birds who don't even speak English. Snidely turned out the light, and both boys drifted off, happily dreaming of all the mischief that would dominate their year. When the four founders of Bogwart created their respective houses, which they named for themselves, they had been content to divide the student body thus, the brave and bold to Griffin Boar, the cunning and ambitious to Slithering, the witty and academic to Ravendaw, and the loyal and diligent, otherwise known as the rest, to Hufflemouth. Yet once they began accepting the first students, they found some so unteachable, so hopelessly uninterested in bettering themselves or doing anything productive in general, that even Helga Hufflenuff refused to take them in her welcoming house. In desperation, the founders cast about for someone, anyone, to create a house for those cast-offs. Quite unbidden, the custodial wizard Dalgrim stepped forward to volunteer his services. Dalgrim, a funny little man of indeterminate age, had been hired some time ago to rid the castle of an infestation of rodents of unusual size, and afterwards had just stuck around. He had become reasonably proficient at cleaning the slime from the dungeon walls and keeping the disciplinary devices in working order, so the founders grew used to the bizarre fellow. Despite the professor's suspicion that he had partial domicile parentage then, they allowed Dalgrim to create his very own house. The custodian was quite stuck for a name, however, so he decided to consult the recently invented sorting hat. Oh, I is headdress of compartmentalization. Which name shall I dub mine proudest legacy? Ephith Bogward House. The hat, who had been drinking rather heavily that day and did not fully understand the question, gurgled slightly in confusion and let out an odd half-burp noise that Dalgrim thought sounded like Mork! An hundred thanks, O wisest creation. And thus was the fifth house named. Now, centuries later, few people had ever heard of Bork, and most who had thought it was a ridiculous urban legend. 
The tradition of the castle custodian being the head of Bork House had been carried down from Dalgrim, and so it was now led by the cat-loving Tarkas Felch. Each subsequent head of Bork was required to teach the custodial arts, for the students who enter Burke are rarely suited for anything loftier. Occasionally, someone like Tomlinson Fort Wunty would come along and develop a successful line of mind-altering recreational potions. But wizards such as Fort Wunty were both rare and severely shunned by wizard society in general. The current Bork students, on the other hand, loved Tomlinson's inventions so much that they often could be seen partaking in the potion on the front lawn, or even boiling the substance to inhale it via smoke. To accompany this, they often played acoustic guitars and sang Mongol songs, and they much preferred the pastime to doing anything remotely useful. So Snidely, with his terrible work ethic and questionable moral compass, fit right in. He spent his days getting stoned on illegal potions, writing for the Barkhaus newsletter, primarily concerned with getting Dumbledore to allow the legalization of self-transfiguration, and joining in the odd studio. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to support the show, nothing helps more than telling your friends in person and spreading the word on social media. You can find our pages on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For more info on the show, go to our website at borkpodcast.wordpress.com. That's Bork spelled B-O-R-K-E. Here you'll also find artwork by the authors and friends, as well as PDF copies of every episode Thanks again, and see you next week.